Hey, Property Insiders, I'm Mike Stenhouse, and this is the Inside Property Investing Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Ruth Hobbs, and it was an absolute blast interviewing her for the show. We laughed, we cried, we covered a lot of ground, including things like her views on BMV deals, her fantastic commercial to student HMO development in Derby, and a whole host of other things that... I'm sure you will get a huge amount of value from. Before we get into the interview, though, let's just take a minute to thank our sponsors. noticed that our recent projects have really stepped up their game in terms of the interior design and the level of finish. Now this is entirely down to Victoria's deeper involvement in the planning stages of each property, meaning that those all important details and finishing touches are carefully curated rather than being an afterthought. One of the biggest changes that we've made to help with this design-led approach is switching our furniture supplier to landlord furniture company. In terms of quality, their stuff is second to none, with all the promises you'd expect of solid furniture built from 18mm boards using reinforced raw runners, soft close hinges, made in the UK, and all that other important stuff that means your furniture will outlast your tenants. And it's true, their products really do live up to expectations and come with a three-year warranty so that you know you have made a good investment. But the main reason that we started working with them, which was a big decision for us as we'd been with our previous supplier for years, was their flexibility, their fully bespoke options, and their can-do attitude. Our first site visit with the Landlord Furniture Company team included a couple of tricky spaces where we couldn't figure out how to fit something standard in. Without hesitation, they came up with creative designs to maximize the space with made-to-measure sofas, dining tables, and wardrobes. Since then, every project has been a flurry of hundreds of fabric swatches, dozens of bedroom furniture finishes, and an array of standard and bespoke options to give Victoria the exact style she's looking for. Needless to say, if the prices were crazy, it wouldn't have gone any further than that, but I'm amazed at how cost-effective both their standard and bespoke products are. And with the delivery, installation, and rubbish removal taken care of by them as well, they make the whole process an absolute breeze. So whether you're an HMO or service accommodation investor, if you're wondering how to make your next project stand out on spare room or Airbnb, then Landlord Furniture Company are your answer. Check them out on Instagram, visit their website at landlordfurnitureco.co.uk or give them a call on 0161 2651. And as always, Tell them you heard about them on the podcast. Well, Ruth, I am delighted to have you on the show. I've been following your own property journey, if you'll excuse that term, for a while now. And you know, I get excited when I see your projects because I think you're creating these these fabulous products, projects, whatever you want to call them. So I'm, I'm delighted to have you on the show. I'm delighted to get a chance to have a chat with you and find out a little bit more about what makes you tick. But first of all, just a, a big welcome and thank you for taking the time to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to be on today's show. So your property business, your brand name is Urban Sister, right? And it's it's a fairly, I suppose, a fairly obvious yeah. uh, choice of name because it is you and your sister. That's, uh, I guess, you're the two partners within this property company. We are, yes. And we take um, properties in urban settings, ones that have been neglected, unloved, unused, unoccupied, and then we convert them into uh, 
properties that everyone can enjoy. So um, I think that's that's at the heart of our business. And your sister, Gillian, I think you've been working with her for, I mean, I mean, a relatively short space of time, I suppose. Is it a little over a year you've been, this, this company has been going? Yeah, so we formalised this in 2018 um, and she is an invaluable part of the business um, and she works on everything financial and I work on the creation of, of you know, the different assets, etc. So finding the properties, etc. Um, but we JV really well together. She started investing in me in 2015. So we she became became my silent kind of partner, just passing me money at that point. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a good sister. Obviously, with all the changes in the industry. Yes. <laughs> there have been times when I'm literally on the phone to her going, please, please, I need money. Yeah. I need to get this deal done. I wish mine were you a little know. bit more like that. <laughs> so, um, but it was great having her support. I mean, you know... There's many deals I couldn't have done without her money, basically. So, you know, it's um, it, you know, it, it, we we already, we, you know, we've obviously spent a long time together, and our JV partnership works extremely well. Yeah, no, it's it, it's great to hear that. It's nice to see these sort of family success stories. But as you've sort of alluded to there. Although Urban Sister Developments was founded in 2018, you've been investing long before that. So how did you first get started in this industry? Um, well, I inherited a property in 99, which was my grandmother's property, um, passed through my dad. Um, and that was the first property uh, that I kind of owned on paper. Um, and... After the death of my father, I was able to then buy my own property in London. So I bought like a small uh, one-bedroom flat in London in 2000. And I thought, mm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to find something that I can do up and I'm um, going to live in it and then I'm going to sell it and then see what happens. Okay. Um, and I got into the kitchen. I was scrubbing away, painted all the kitchen. I re rearranged the furniture. I made it look really lovely. Um, I changed where the kitchen was and the bedroom. But, uh, you know, it must have spent about two and a half thousand, you know, so it wasn't a huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. But when it doubled in price, when I sold it, after nine months, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is incredible. You know, I, I'm working a full-time job here, but... Uh, you know, I've obviously doubled the value of my property. It can't be this easy. Yeah. Um, wow. So that kind of sparked my interest. I mean, obviously in London, you don't, you know, it, the values are go, were going up at that time uh, quite dramatically. So, you know, I don't know how much was the fact that I had just done a little bit of tarting up of the property, or you know, was it you know the the movement in the in the property sure. market at that time? Yeah. Yeah, but I guess so, it, it sort of opened your eyes to what was possible. Absolutely, yeah. I had no idea about any kind of strategies. There weren't those kind. Obviously, there was no internet, or there was no Instagram, or you know, there was no way of finding other property developers. And if you ever did, they were kind of male and, um, you know, a different kind of person to that I would normally kind of sure. socialise with. Yeah. So I didn't want to go on my own to these places, not as a, um, a youngster. So um, I decided that I would just crack on and do it myself just 
just however I could, basically, and come up with my own strategies, you know. <laughs> so um, I, I, that's what I did from 2000. Okay. So, I mean, give me an overview of what that looked like then for the first, because I guess, I mean, that's, gee, I, God, I hate to say this, but almost two decades ago, right? So you've been at this a while now. What, yeah. what, what did that strategy that you yeah. created look like? Was it just a mix of anything and everything, or did you get some semblance of sort of uh, consistency to it after a while? Um, it's always been a bit chaotic, actually, until my sister joined me, um, you know, and I think that's one of the downsides for me. I feel like I've done everything backwards, um, you know, so I started off uh, just by randomly purchasing property that I love, and that's my strategy, buy property you love. It was quite funny. Actually, recently, my um, one of my clients had just gone into property, was laughing because she phoned me up and she said, you know, Ruth, I've just done this course and everything that they've told me not to do, you've done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so we had a bit of a laugh about that, but it's actually true. So I started buying property in areas that I liked or areas that I could afford, uh, on nice roads, nice properties. I didn't do any figure work, um, but I just knew that they would go up in value because property always goes up in value, right? Apart from a few blips in London, um, it's a long-term strategy. So that was my strategy um, that I, you know, I literally didn't do any figure work. Um, what what do you mean by almost, figure work? Well, I... I wouldn't analyze any deals okay. or stack any deals or do anything like that. No, that that was just not within my framework. I didn't even know that that was that that's what you did. Yeah. Okay. But I think that's what you do when you don't know what you're doing, isn't it? You kind of just fumble around in the dark and, you know, hope for the best. But I think my overarching strategy was that property values always go up in London yeah. and they don't really go down. I mean, they do a little bit, but it's. Um, you know, I, I always knew that the property I would buy would go up in value, and that's exactly what they did. So it probably wasn't a bad strategy after all. Um, and I think time-wise, because I was working a full-time job, um, you know, when you've got... I, I was I was buying more and more of these one-bedroom flats that I turned into two bedrooms by putting the... Um, the kitchen in the front room okay and you know you 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 can you can you know I was making probably a hundred or 70 to 100 per flip I was doing um but I would I would offset that flip by putting in buy to let people for a year and a half two years and then I would look at selling them so I was kind of changing my strategy on different projects basically because of the way that the London market was moving mm-hmm. um, and sometimes I would you know I had I had six buy to lets in London um, all around the kind of 150 mark and actually I didn't want loads of little properties what I wanted were higher value properties with less boilers boilers were important to me apparently 20 <laughs> years ago I remember thinking about it thinking I don't want 20, 30 boilers in London, what I want is five. So I thought, because maintenance was a problem for me, getting people out, getting people to work on them, not having my trades, not having any kind of team. I was kind of fumbling around trying to do stuff by myself. Yeah. Um, So, you know, that causes its own problems. And when you're working full time, you know, and you're late 20s, 
you know, you're busy, aren't you? Out yeah. drinking and having stuff. Fun. So having fun. There's not a lot of time for that. So um, <laughs> I kind of got it. It was all a bit chaotic, honestly. Yeah, I, um, I, I get that, though. And I, I think, you know, just yeah. uh, two thoughts on, on what, what you've just said there about your early days. I think, you know, it's almost dangerous advice for for me to to put out in a public domain but that idea of just like you know kind of forget about all the stuff that they teach you on courses and just you know the, the experience that you'll get from just doing a deal you know don't bother about the bigger stuff like obviously obviously you need to, you need you need you can't just go out and buy anything and assume you'll make money you need to do some homework but i think so many people get caught up in this idea of oh you know well i i need to find this perfect deal that fits in with all these constraints that i was taught in this course and they actually never end up doing anything our first deal wasn't great but because we did it the yeah. next one was a little bit better and the one after that was better again so i kind of think that you know your approach of just getting stuck in makes so much sense and what i've realized from doing all that stuff in a crazy kind of fashion what i am really good at is I make impulsive decisions about property. So I'm first in, I make an offer, I get that property off the table. Yep. Because actually still I don't do figure work. I know it's going to work or not. Yeah. And my sister will go away and start screaming at me, going, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> ah, craziness, we've got to do figure work. But I've already got the offer in and I've, I'm, I'm under offer. So she'll scramble around doing all the figure work, doing the deal analyzer. But I, and then she's like, okay, well, yeah, this will work. But I'm first in, got the property off the table. Yep. No one else has got looking. I'm sat down with the agent and I'm asking them, how do I get this property off the market without anyone else seeing it? I want it. What yep. do you want? And that is my, and that's how I get them. You know, I'm not getting one in 20 properties that I go and view. You know, I'm getting one in two. Because I, you know, I use that strategy to get them. Let, let me ask you this then, because something else that I, I get asked a lot is, how do you find BM, you know, this elusive BMV deal? And Victoria always turns to them and says, well, you know what, we probably don't buy much BMV. We pay market value because we're more concerned about securing the project rather than getting, a, you know, a five grand discount 10 years from now is going to be nothing. You're better off to just pay, the, pay what they want and get that deal secured. Absolutely. I mean... It, uh, it's so true. And, you know, even when whatever kind of size project you're looking at, especially the larger ones, give them full price. Don't muck around. Get that property off. Off. If you, if you, if you, you know, you know what you're going to do with the end property and what your margin is, five or 10K is kind of irrelevant. Yeah. You know, and you can make that up really easily. So I remember um, one of our uh, one of our HMOs. We it was a repossession, and I think we bought it for like ninety two thousand pounds or something. And we yeah. at, at the time we were you know our, our our sort of top level was like oh we'll pay ninety grand for it, and to go that extra two grand felt so painful. I mean, this was only like four or five years ago, and now houses yeah. on the street are selling for like one forty, one fifty. And my God, I wish I could go back and buy them all for ninety five grand. But it's it's funny how like these these little figures in your mind seem like a big deal but in the long run i mean we make a grand a month plus on that house every month of course paying that exactly. extra two grand made sense exactly um and i think that's why people lose their deals because yeah. they're trying to save that five grand and it just loses them the deal and then they go on to another but then the time they spend in sourcing that next deal or you know values have gone up a little bit extra you know just secure the property um you know 
it's the best advice I can give you as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Yeah, yeah, on, on completely the same page with you there. And the other thing as well, and I, I don't know if this is how, how you meant it to come across, but you, you almost sounded a little bit sort of apologetic there that you couldn't say, oh, well, my, my strategy was, you know, like I, you're something well-defined, but it was single lets or it was HMOs. You're like, you know, did a little bit of this, a little bit of that, just kind of, you know, depends on the market. But I think that's that's the right thing to do. I think people, again, you know, they get too caught up in saying, oh, well, my strategy is HMO. So they walk into a property that could be perfect for making them a ton of money in something else, but they don't miss that opportunity because they've got this sort of HMO set of blinkers on. And I actually, you know, maybe maybe you didn't mean to sound like, you know, semi-apologetic there, but I think your approach is, is again, it's, it's spot on. It's the way, just keep an open it's, mind and see where the crazy opportunity thing, is. Mike, definitely. And I think too much education is obviously not a bad thing, but it can work against you with all the variables you have to think about. I mean, I remember it was 2017 and I just moved to my, I just moved from London up to Derbyshire where I live now in a place called Duffield. I got my puppy. I put, I thought, oh, I'm going to listen to a podcast. And I thought, oh, I'm going to start listening to some property podcasts, you know, while I'm up in Derbyshire trying to figure out what I'm going to do up here because it's a different market to London. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, there's this Mike Stenhouse. Oh, I don't know him. I'm going to listen to his podcast and see what he's talking about. And then suddenly you started talking about all these different strategies. And I was like, I do that. I, oh, I do that one too. So I've been working for seven, you know, doing this for seventeen years, and I didn't know that, you know, the the names for the different strategies. I mean, it was just like a. And then I found myself working backwards. So I literally listened to a whole year's worth of episodes in the space of a month. I didn't do anything else apart from educate myself and find out. All the things that I've been doing, something's wrong, something's right, something's better, you know, that, that kind of thing. And it was interesting to do all my, my education kind of while I'm in the middle of my property journey. Yeah. So um, it was really, really fascinating to me. And it started me on wanting to learn more about um, commercial conversions is kind of where I've ended up. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's a kind of nice point to, to move on to there. I'm not going to take credit for uh, for your success recently, but, you know, talking about starting to think <laughs> about strategies and a bit more definition, you said you started borrowing yeah. money off your sister, what, around about 2015? So does that kind of tie in yeah. with when you started looking at bigger projects? Um, I, I started at, so I decided in London that I would get rid of all my flats and start moving to houses. And I bought one anyway in um, Balham in 2004 and I like using my home strategy as well and I know everyone says oh you can't use your home as a strategy but actually I have done so um, and my house in Balham um, has gone up a million pounds I mean that is the kind of (laughs) that's incredible isn't it it's it's insane it's It's insane so you know, and I, uh, you know, I've done a little bit to the house, but I haven't spent that much on it. Um, so, sorry, I can't remember your question now. Just, I, I guess when, when you know, talking about getting a bit more discipline or you know a bit more of a structure to it was it was that around about 2015 when you started doing bigger projects 15 yes because because I decided that I would because my Ballam house had gone up so much in value I thought oh yeah and actually my flats had as well I and you know I I'm getting to the stage of more boilers again <laughs> I'm selling my, my, pesky boilers. my portfolio because I don't know anything better but when they break down it upsets me and I'm self-managing as well so I decided I'm going to scale everything up so I end up with 
you know, several houses in London rather than several flats. Um, and, you know, I can't remember what I was going to say then. So, yeah, so I'm back down to my few boilers and, but I'm still in chaos land because I, you know, every year the tax returns come in yeah, and yeah, I'll yeah, spend yeah. six weeks absolutely going through receipts thinking, oh my God, what was that for? Because I've got no, no um, systems in place at all. Yeah, I know and that feeling. It's just, um, the receipt thing just drives me crazy. So, it, you know, I needed my sister on board or starting to think about coming on board at that time because, you know, you, I'm growing. And actually, this was only ever a hobby. This was never, ever meant to be a full-time job. I think that's where I'm also different from a lot of other people is that, you know, my hobby overtook because I love it and I have fun doing it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, I actually didn't probably didn't want to follow any strategies because I just wanted to keep it fun, you know, buying houses I love and decorating them nicely and putting nice furnishings in, <laughs> that kind of thing and renting them out. You know, that's what I love to do. Um, it, it was never, ever meant to be a full-time job, but then my prop the properties went up so much in value um, that it, it didn't make sense to be, you know, doing my uh, marketing job anymore. You know, I just couldn't, not with all the values that are suddenly being put in front of me. Yeah. So, you know, I it kind of, I was kind of forced to do it, forced to go into property. I, th I think and I didn't want to do though, it right? because I didn't want to. But the, the fact that the fact that it's something that you, you well, but that's the thing though the fact that you did enjoy it the fact that you loved it and it can give you a lifestyle and yeah okay it, it maybe feels a bit more serious now Ruth but I guess you know ultimately feels yeah, you you still get to do something. I'm sure there is still some passion and love there. So it's nice that, you know, what I, I think it'd be great if everyone could make an income from doing what they love. So you know, I'd say you're 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 in a pretty fortunate position still. Absolutely, absolutely. And every day when I wake up, I just think how lucky I am. You mm. know, I'm alive and I'm going to crack on with the day. It's going to be fantastic. You know, yeah. um, so I am really, really lucky. So tell me a little bit about the type of projects that you're you're focusing on now and have been for the the past couple of years since you started to scale up since your sister got on board. Yeah, so um, it was the same time really that I moved from London as well. So I spent um, 2017 listening to podcasts and I, I, I find properties by walking so I, and driving. So I get in the car, I go out walking and I look at properties and see, you know, which properties I like and then I pick them off. That's how I like to do business basically because I only buy in certain roads. I still keep that thing about... I've got to love something to buy it, you know, because I've got to be into it. If I'm going to spend my whole time doing that property, I don't want a vanilla buy to let, you know, I, I need to have something that I'm going to be fully committed and not think when I get up in the morning, oh God, I'm going to dread that. You know, it has to really spark my interest. So um, commercial conversions were the perfect um, pro projects in Derby to do. I couldn't afford to do them in London, but yeah. here I can afford to do them, and I can afford to self-invest as well. Um, so I, I, I want to invest in myself. I want to make money for myself. If you see what I mean. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. yeah. No, I'm the school of all money down. You know, I, I invest every penny that I do have 
in, in myself. So, um, you know, so we've, uh, do, you, do you want me to start talking about this project, this current one? The current one, I'd, I'd love to hear about that, yeah. Yeah, so um, this was a, um, this is a project we've just finished. It's a B1 office block in Derby. There's no Article 4 in Derby, which means that, um, if you've if you're taking certain types of commercial buildings you can flip them straight to um, residential accommodation without planning consent so you use what's called prior approval um, there are a few exceptions but on the whole it's a pretty straightforward process and it has no risk associated with it and so as I'm out driving and walking I've I've, I've got the area the, the roads that I want to um, fixate on and this office block has been up for rent for five years and no one has looked at it wow. and I, it's right in the middle of um, all the university accommodation and right by some university buildings um, so I'm just like why hasn't anyone seen this building um, so I had phoned the estate agent that day to say look I'm interested if they want to sell you know we'll buy it not knowing obviously doing it in my kind of style um, where I'm not even asking what the price is because I know that I can it's going to work um, so they said they were just putting it on the on the market that day for four hundred thousand. So I met. I said, "Well, I'm here outside the building. Can you come down <laughs> in five minutes?" And he said, "Yes." I said, "I've got cash in my pocket." Uh, yeah. There'd be some deep pockets to have four hundred grand in them, but yeah. So. Um, well, remember, I've sold some property in London at this point, so I have actually got cash in my pocket. So yeah. we were straight down. Yeah. Um, I viewed the building and, you know, I used my strategy again. I just said to him, I want this property. What do you want me to do? What What do I have to do to get this property today? Yeah. I don't want anyone else seeing it. Yeah. And he said, you need to pay full price. I said, I'll give you full price for it you know i'm ready to go yeah he did actually have some more viewings lined up and he did show uh, i know other developers that did see it but they couldn't make it work but i knew exactly what i was going to do with it make what well, i call it luxury student accommodation but it's probably not luxury in the term of london luxury if you see what i mean so um i knew that um, the figures would work and obviously Gillian went nuts because obviously we've got she hasn't had time to fill out her very comprehensive deal analyzer <laughs> that stretches about five spreadsheets you know so um but once she'd actually done the numbers um you know we were very excited that you know we had this as our first deal so um just, just let me ask you a question it. ruth sorry yeah. before before we dig yeah. into the numbers there you said that other people yeah. couldn't make it work what was it that you what potential did you see or how did you make like what did you do differently to what you think these other guys were looking for that made you think this is worth they progressing looking, with? they were looking to set, they were looking at a sell sell strategy okay and we are we're whole i look i look at all strategies so because when you value a building, you need to value it in terms of sell and hold and rent and selling units because you need to know what your opposition's going to do. Or it could be made into a hotel, etc. Mm -hmm. You need to know the values of that building at the end because you need to know what you're up against. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
So that building could have been made into flats for sale. That's never going to work because the value for flats in Derby is so low mm-hmm. that that you know you're you're not gonna you're gonna be buying it at like two hundred, yeah. not for four hundred. Okay. Um, but the rental market for students is so high, considering the values of properties low, that it was going to work. Yeah. And that's you. exactly what happened. So we it would value up based on the rental income for the year. So, um, yeah, so uh, we finished the project and I must say it's one of the easiest projects I've ever had to do, the commercial conversion, because we've had the right team in place. And I know that um, a lot of your, the people on your podcast talk about their team, you know, um, and and, and that's exactly what happened. We had the the right team on this building. So it was really, really painless. It had some brilliant contractors on it as well. And everything's of a really high standard. So we're really pleased with it. So in terms of the values, so we bought it um, all in with all of our costs, uh, fees, etc. At four fifteen, we spent four sixty on the development costs, including all our costs of finance and mm-hmm. furnishings and everything else. Um, and it was valued at one point two six million. Oh wow! So big a uplift. Good, it's a massive uplift, and we did spend a lot on the development, and we did choose more expensive products potentially but this showed in the end valuation itself so you know we get to draw out all of our money plus i think it's eighty thousand. so you know that is a lot yeah perfect and so okay so just a couple of questions on that then the the first thing you said you spent more on the renovation than you did on buying the 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 property itself and for us in on our commercial conversions that can be quite common as well but a lot of people who are used to you know you buy a terraced house for 200 grand and you spend 30 grand doing it up it just seems completely preposterous but you you felt comfortable with that you felt i guess because you knew what the end value could be you were happy that it needed investment to get up to that level I think it's quite straightforward. When you've got an office block, when a valuer comes to value it, 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 he's not valuing bricks and mortar. He's valuing the gross rent minus uh, the gross rent times by. Um, it's normally like ten between ten and thirteen percent. So you already know kind of what they're going to come in and value at. at. But um, you know, you obviously want to get that multiplier as high as possible. So. We already knew that by spending that amount of money, we still had it, you know, 350, 400 profit built in there somehow. So we knew we were okay. Yeah, or equally a bit of a contingency, right? Which allows you to, I guess, make these slightly more rash. I'm going to use Gillian's words here, I guess. She'd she'd say, Ruth, you're being so rash here. But, you know, like to make more more presumptuous decisions and just act quickly because you think, well, you know what? There's there's a heck of a lot of profit in here. Even if you had to leave 80 grand in rather than take 80 grand out, it's still a phenomenal deal. The great, great thing about these office blocks is that once you strip them back, you know, you've got no hidden issues. So when we were having quotations in from builders, there's no contingency in there. The contingency is only on the total end project. It's not on, oh, there might be something behind that wall, so I'm going to put in an extra 10 grand here and another five grand there. You know, with a bare building, you know, it's easy 
easier to cost up from a builder's perspective. And that's why, you know, with our our team in place and, you know, our QS, who's incredible, we didn't go over budget. We yeah. used our contingency because I'm always going to use that if my sister gives me the contingency <laughs> and says... It's like free money. You know, so I, well, yeah, I put in some extra bits and pieces um, which for me made it a more premium product, mm-hmm. um, which showed in the end valuation, and that's why we didn't get a ten, you know, a ten times multiplier. We got a higher one than that. But um, so, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So, <laughs> what, what exactly did you create then? So, it's, it's, it's student accommodation, but are we talking like studio apartments? I, is that a series of HMOs? It is, um, this, it's three flats with six bedrooms and six en suites on each floor. Okay. Um, and we've also got a phase, phase two, which is the penthouse, which is two double rooms at the top for more students. So, um, but we didn't do that this year because we didn't have time and we didn't want to put ourselves in a risk position. Okay. So that's, that work's going to be done next summer. Risk position as in student intake is quite defined, so you needed as it to in, be finished? We finished mid-August and then we had to rent rooms because when you're working on a big build like this, they don't allow, you're not allowed on site without consent. And obviously we can't have students on site if something's going to fall on their heads. Of course. Even with helmets on and high-vis jackets or whatever, we're not going to have any risk whatsoever. So we're very much aimed at clearing at this point. I mean, this is the only year we're going to have to do it. And we've already let a whole floor for next year. Can you believe it? Um, but we, um, so we started renting the rooms from clearing, which was the last weekend of um, August, and we are almost full. We will, we've got six more viewings in the next few days, and then the last rooms will go. So it's been all really last minute, you know, to fill those rooms up. Um, but we've done it, so yeah. we're really pleased about that. So you've got. And I say luxury. I say luxury, <laughs> but. I don't really mean luxury. You know, what we've done is we've upcycled, you know, I'm a big bargain hunter. I don't like, I don't like to spend a lot of money, but I, but I do like high quality. So I've, a lot of the items have come from John Pye. So I'm getting returns from made.com, swoon.com, you know, items that have been on display. Yes. I've handpicked everything. So, you know, I'm getting, uh, I've got my bar stools, which are, which if you're going to go to make.com, they cost you 550 quid for the four, you know, but I've got them each for 26 quid plus costs, you know, it's that kind of thing. And for me, it kind of, it makes it more, I'm a mum, you know, I want the kids to enjoy living there. Um, And they've got a bespoke finish for each floor. Um, And I've had real fun. I mean, no, no one else is crazy enough to do this, but I just had fun doing it and I'll probably do it in my next one um, because it was fun. (laughs) But, um, you know, the, the items are actually, I got a sofa in there for 11 quid, you know, but it is a ex, um, not a John Lewis sofa. Um, It's lovely. So, you know, I'm getting quality products in there for, really affordable prices and and you know it's practically everything in there is from john pie the auction house so well i'm glad you said that again because i can imagine people were just about to hit the rewind button to find wait, wait where did you say she got that from i remember i might actually delete yeah. this section from the podcast because i feel like i need to keep that as, as our little <laughs> secret but I, I remember i think you posted a picture from one of the auctions that you were at or maybe it was their catalog
catalog online or something like that and victoria was like wait hang on a minute we're going about this all wrong and yeah i i, I completely forgot about that but you've just brought it back to mind so yeah it's uh yeah, we, we need to check it out You'll see it from my Instagram account. You know, I'm down there every week and some of my followers, again, they're like, why are you there now? You've just finished your project. And I'm like, oh, I'm buying some chairs for my front room, <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I just, I think, and hopefully we'll talk about mindset in a minute, but you, you really need to understand the kind of person that you are because you want to keep going on those things that you love. And for me, I love finding bargains and I love... I'm a multi-millionaire. I can afford stuff, but I choose not to. I I choose to, um, you know, buy discounted products because I find happiness in that. I yeah. don't know. I don't know why. It's just me. So, um, you know, that's what I like to do. And I like to do it most weeks, even if I'm just going around to have a little look around to see what sort of. <laughs> But there's also, there's loads of different auctions you can go. There's police auctions, there's um, handbag sales. You know, there's loads of good stuff that you can get on discount. So... Yeah, no, it's it's. I remember seeing some of the stuff that you were you were posting and just thinking, yeah, yeah like I mean, the, the the opportunities there are great. Whether it's you know HMOs or service to come, yeah. anything that you need to sort of furnish and stage a little bit, I think it's uh, it's a great shout. I think it's like my new hobby now because I you know I you can need imagine to have you a get hobby. addicted to it. Yeah, it was my hobby. It is really addictive, and I think this is my new hobby now. You know, buying furnishings and um, and actually, I was really excited because I overordered with my um uh mattresses because i got all the mattresses brand new down there as well um and i got this one mattress that's retails at 1500 quid for 80 i mean it's incredible wait, but it wait. was so thick yeah pounds for 80 quid yeah wow actually there's no st- there's a tiny little dirt mark on the side where somebody's obviously dragged it and you know it, it can be cleaned off but it's kind of like clean dirt just right on the very very corner yeah so i've cleaned that off and it's absolutely fine but there was one it, it was just so massive i couldn't put it in the accommodation so i <laughs> sold it for 150 quid oh, and good on you boom that was brilliant <laughs> i love it so um i love it i love it it's just so, so much fun well it's my kind of my hobby now i think so um, yeah. But yeah, we digress. We no, we, but I mean, it's it's good. It's it's, it's good info. So I guess just uh, you, you mentioned mindset there, and I'm happy to have a chat about that. But one thing, just on this this student um, the student development. Yes. So uh, you you mentioned sort of luxury, and then you were like, well, not quite London, but like it's still. I mean, I've seen the pictures. The the development's fantastic. Yeah. With I mean, the the student market are they? I'm, I'm reluctant to say do they deserve it. That's a horrible thing to say. But do they look after it? Do they appreciate? Do, do your customers appreciate this level of detail, or is it just you know? Are you just doing this for Instagram? Oh no, I'm not doing it just for Instagram. But it's nice for Instagram. Certainly. Um, but I expect we've already decided that the tops the tops that we picked probably weren't the right kind of tops are the kitchen tops because they're going to mar they're going to be damaged and they're going to need to be replaced within 2 years so um but the lofts is very much are crown jewels if you see what i mean it's the one it's the big commercial conversion with you know we've 
that we want to talk about with investors and people who want to help with development finance, that kind of thing. So it's it's the one that we're really proud about. And yes, there are things I would change. I would change those tabletop, the kitchen work surfaces, because they're going to be they're going to be like gone in a couple of years. But in terms of, you know, the furniture is really hard wearing because um, it's John Pye, you know, it's really expensive stuff. But a lot of it is is it's tied in with the industrial theme. So it's really heavy um, concrete um, tabletops or whatever. So, you know, you're going to have to go some way to kind of damage all, all of this stuff. Um, but, yeah, if something gets damaged, well, it gets damaged and we'll replace it. Um, so, I, you know... There's not really a lot. There's not really much to damage. I suppose the, the bathrooms they can damage, but they're they're pretty standard bathrooms, I think, um, just with white tiles and black mm-hmm. grouting. Um, uh, the floors are vinyl, so if there's any problems there, we can just take out sections and replace it really easily. Yeah. So I think some of it looks really premium, but some of it is actually quite inexpensive. But we have chosen products carefully. You know, like the vinyl, we would never put laminate in a student building. Sure, yeah. Uh, we put rubber flooring in the I saw that, stairway, actually. Yeah, that looked cool. Which is epic because it's so hard-wearing. And, it, again, if anything happens, they're squares, so you can just peel them up and then stick them back down again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, we have made some mistakes, but hopefully most of it will be okay. And um, we're planning to refresh to paint every summer anyway. Sure, So, yeah. um yeah. yeah, sounds amazing. And if anyone hasn't seen it, I guess uh, it's certainly Instagram's a, a good place to see what you've been up to. Is there is there a website specifically for this project as well, or is Instagram going to be the best place uh, to see? To be honest, everything's about Instagram for us. You know, we do our networking on there. We talk about our own projects on there. We do personal stuff on there. It's it's really where I've built, we've built our network of fantastic women that we work, well, not work alongside, we don't, not doing projects with them, but we've got our little family of Instagram um, and it, it really is a fantastic place. It's really changed my life as well, Instagram, um, and using it in the last, since, you know, 2017. Um, because, you know, I'm networking every single day with people doing similar stuff or different stuff. And what really excites me is all the new, the new people that are starting because for me, being an old timer, I get my inspiration from the new people on the scene, the people who are just starting, the the, the new developers, the, the, the because everyone's coming with new ideas. It's fantastic. So I look to the youngsters, you know, those starting their journey for inspiration about where the market's going. Yeah. Um, it's not coming from the old developers in it for 20 years. It's It's coming from all those new people. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I buy into that completely. Um, yeah. So you, uh, okay, mindset. You, 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 you mentioned the word, um, and I guess, yeah. uh, I guess, I guess you brought it up for a reason. It's, it sounds as though it's something that's important to you. I, I don't really know where I, I, I fit on the whole sort of like mindset importance spectrum. I just, I feel like I don't really have time to like think about my mindset. My mindset is just like 
oh crap what needs to get done today but i, I get i'm, I'm definitely absolutely open to absolutely learn, mike so. i'm totally in the same boat and it wasn't till i was 46 that mindset hit me so i think people talk about mindset and they band it round after they've been on a course but they don't really stop and think about it but it didn't actually hit me until um i was 46 and i i want to you know it's about understanding who you are and what you know what you're doing basically with your life you know in order to wake up every day and think this is brilliant i'm excited about my day um you know having fun loving what you do basically mm-hmm. so you know property <laughs> isn't for someone who doesn't love it basically you know because it's a long horrible road if you're just going to get into it just for the money and you won't succeed um you know you you have to live it property is something that you live you know so um mindset has really helped me understand why i do the things that i do and how i speak to people and being humble and and all the rest of it and you know when i go back on my journey there are key life points that really affected affected me as a person um but now i understand why i do the things that i do you know why i get emotional and i hate people who say oh don't get emotional about property oh yeah do get emotional about property because it's the emotion and it's the passion that will drive you on to do the best possible job you can do and if you love what you do and you enjoy what you'll do you will be successful at that thing you know if if it's property that you want to do and you enjoy it you will be successful at it yeah, you know I- if you if you're living it I mean, I can I can hear through you know the, this whole interview that you've you've got a real passion for for what you do. So, are you saying that 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 is a new thing, or was it more that you sort of had to give yourself permission to you know to to show this passion to be able to feel like it was okay to be passionate about your work? I think so. I think so. Yeah, but I didn't really understand because people would say, you know, why are you getting so emo- don't get emotional about it, or you know, I do a course, don't get emotional about property, you know, it's a business transaction. But actually, that is a load of old rubbish (laughs) for me in terms of my own personal journey Um, because for me you know it is being passionate and it is is being emotional about what I do and what I what I achieve you know and I because it drives me on to be even better at at what I'm doing Um, I hope that makes sense but I I feel that mindset um, if you have the right mindset you will be successful at doing property yeah Um, but if you, you know, if your mindset is not there, it won't work. You can you can carry on every single day, but you will not be successful. So for me, it kind of underpins my whole property journey. I just didn't realise till a year and a half ago that that's what it that's you know um, that's what it was. So I guess I guess you know the 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 right mindset is going to be different for everyone and how they define you know what it means. But what, what was what was was there a specific turning point for you? Was there something that happened that made you think no, I need to I need to be more mindful of this or you know why when did it become important about understanding it was more about understanding and pushing back on some of the norms you know i talk about you know i i almost feel apologetic because i haven't done the same journey as everyone else i haven't done the course and then gone and bought the property 
Um, I kind of done everything in reverse. But when I kind of look back on some of my impulse purchases, I call them impulse purchases, my properties. I mean, really. So when I bought my house in Ballam, it was an impulse purchase. Um, I couldn't afford it. Um, and I literally, I remember I, I bought the property. I bought it for 360000 And this is the one that's worth a million pounds more. I sat in the front room and I ate beans for God knows how long, <laughs> thinking, how do I afford my first mortgage payment? That's exactly what I thought, because I wasn't earning enough money to afford the house. So, um, but my mindset at the time, and it probably, well, it's not like that so much anymore, but... Um, a traumatic event happened to me when I was 12 um, and my mum died and it had a really massive effect on me and I never spoke about it. Mm -hmm. So um, so I do things because I think, God, I could die next year. You know, I could be dead. Yeah. It's a really bizarre, <laughs> it's a really bizarre strategy, but I just thought, right, I'm going to do it because I could be dead. And that's, you know, when you have something that's really traumatic, sorry, that happens you you know it does affect you and it's affected my buying decisions in a good way yeah <laughs> and I think that's why I'm like that now you know with the, the when we got urban lofts you know it was all about I, I'm gonna buy it now I don't care you know the figures whatever Gillian can figure those out I'm gonna have this property and yes, I could be dead in a year, so I'm just going to get on with it, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> you, you, you're you're almost doing something that's more important than a spreadsheet, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's um. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 as soon as you sort of mentioned that sort of the, I, I guess the, the the mortality side of things, that really kind of strikes home with me I guess and it, you know it, it is so true that you know obviously you don't want to go through life with that that fear because that could be quite debilitating but just that awareness that you know what if today was my last day would I be would I do things differently and would I be happy with what I've done I think that's quite exactly. powerful and I think that's why um the strategies that we're doing, we're looking at now, I really have to love them. You know, it's like this land flip. You know, I talk about this title split land flip that yeah, I'm no, doing. You need, you need to explain this to me because I've got no idea what you talk. So you, Can uh, you tell me the strategy for it? Because I don't know Have you forgotten? Yeah, I, I saw you mention this somewhere. You, you land, you're like, one of my strategies is land gain flips. And I'm like, I, Ruth, hold on. I got no idea what that means. <laughs> so that... I'm sure there must be a name in some kind of... Yeah, there will be a course about it somewhere. Right? <laughs> so um, I found this prop this our second property in Derby. And on if you look at it, it just looks like a normal uh, uh, house, basically, from the outside. But, but if you were to visit the property or look on Google Maps, you would see that it had a massive plot behind it. So 14 garages, two commercial... Gar uh, 14 garages, two commercial units... Um, and the moment I saw it, I was just like, oh, my God, this is a gift from the gods. What I'm going to do is I'm going to convert the front house into a high-flowing high cash HMO. I'm going to title split the house off. And then I've got, I've got two commercial units, 14 garages, and I'm going to put in planning consent. I'm not going to touch anything on that back plot, nothing. I'm going to leave it renting out the garages mm -hmm. and I'm going to get planning consent for the back for four houses and a commercial uh, to resi 
um, and then I'm going to sell that off and I'm not going to do any work to it apart okay. from get getting the planning consent and then I'm going to sell that off, basically. And yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's about minimal effort. Yep. No, that that, that that makes sense, Basically. and that's definitely something I've I've, I've heard. Uh, not not something we have done done personally, I guess. Um, yeah. I, I kind of I don't know. I, I, I if we, we get planning, and I'm like, okay, let's build it. But no, I, it it definitely makes sense. Um, and I mean that that sounds like an exciting project. So, uh, what what yeah. stage is that at? So, um, planning was meant to be through last week. Um, she's asked for a ten day extension. So this Friday we should get plannings. We've had no. Um, that the planner said that she's got no questions and no objections from anyone. Nice. So we're expecting the planning to come through this Friday. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a 400% return on our money, that back plot. Jeez, yeah. It's amazing. So that is, it's amazing because, you know, coming from London, I never thought that I'd be able to kind of cut these kind of deals here. But, you know, there's, plen- there's plenty of stuff around. You know, you've just got to be a bit more creative about how you're, pro- you know, what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and now I, I look at a building, I think, what, what am I going to do with it? Rather than the, the strategy I'm doing is this. Yes, um, 100%. I like find buildings and think oh what can i do with that there's yep. loads of different options yeah yep completely completely buy into that and it is something i you know if, if people take anything away from this we, we kind of mentioned it at the start as well but i think just you know going in there removing those strategy blinkers i think is is just gonna yeah, yeah well uh, you know this sounds a bit cheesy but open your eyes to to the opportunities um yeah. so yeah but i mean look, looking forwards then it sounds as though uh, you know, even just with with that, well, it's relatively hands off for you, I guess. Once planning is approved, uh, but you've got the the penthouses at the the Derby property to build out. Are they going to happen over the next? Will they be ready for the next academic year? They will, yeah. They'll be ready for this September coming, next September coming, yeah. Okay, and then any, anything so, else in the pipeline that you're excited about? Yes, there's. Um, I've, we've got something we've just just about to exchange on, which is a eight bed HMO. So it's, it's probably, my sister wants me to um, do more HMOs, larger HMOs. Um, this building that I found is just really lovely. It's such a nice property. Um, you know, one thing that struck me yesterday when I went round to visit Urban Lofts was I, I drove into the car park and there were Range Rovers in there. The students driving Range Rovers. So <laughs> I was just world. absolutely gobsmacked. And so basically, I've, we designed some luxury accommodation for rich kids, basically. And I think for this next project, we're going to um, hold fire on the design element a little bit. You know, not spend on the brick slips and the black tops and all of that and make something that's a little bit more affordable mm-hmm. um, with good quality design. So it's kind of less Instagrammable, but it's almost more Instagrammable because I think, you know, we can achieve a rent um, that is, you know, not at 145, which we're achieving at the moment, but around kind of 90 to 100, but we can make decent accommodation for... Um, you know, people who are looking within that within that sec, you know, that that, that price range, and not overspend inside, um, but still provide really decent accommodation, um, large room sizes, that kind of thing. So, 
I think we're going to approach this small little eight. I think we're going to make it into a 10 bedder, but we're going to approach this one a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah, it'll be a good uh, a good exercise in sort of creativity. You know, just making things work a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got that, and I'm looking at something with 140 beds. <laughs> okay, so two extremes. Two really extremes. Um, but it's really funny though because, like, I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep last night because I was worried about it. So I'm thinking now that maybe it's just a step too far. And there's nothing wrong with that, is there? You know, thinking oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put myself through it if I, because <laughs> it is a huge jump to doing 140, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Building from scratch. Um, and I think sometimes you just need to sleep on stuff and see if you can actually. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that that's really the right place for us to go next into something so big. And I'm not sure that I want to, but, you know, we are looking at um, other things, other projects at the moment. Um, It's just picking the right thing that's going to fit in with our lifestyles and, you know, our families and our families are really important to us. Um, um, We've given our children a slice of our business already, so they get a small income every year from it. Yeah. Um, So um, it's just, you know, we don't want to... I don't want to be left running something with a thousand rooms. Ultimately, I want to I want to have a good lifestyle, um, you know, and not give myself sleepless nights. So I think maybe we'll be looking more at the forty bed mark next for one or two more projects. But I'm also looking I'll be looking at then to invest in other people as well. I think that's where I'll be headed in the next kind of five years. It's it's a great place to end up, you know. If if you can find people yep. that you you can trust and rely on, and you're in a position yep. where you know you've built up that uh, that pool of cash that you can then get a, probably as close to a passive income as as possible. Uh, yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a great feeling, and to help other people get started yep. as well, it'd be nice. Yeah, Full I think that's. Almost. I think that's my next stage as well. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm helping my sister be financially free, and that's very much on my radar with Urban Sister, is to get her out of her job, uh, you know, and get her set up. Um, but I'm also looking to help people as well. I think that's what I'd like to do, mm-hmm. um, because money isn't really that much of a goal for me anymore. Um, and uh, women in biz- women in property, women in business is really, really important to me and facilitating that. Um, and a f- few of us have got together and created um, a property women of Instagram group that we are uh, meeting. We're meeting next week about it. Um, so I'm excited about that. You know, I'm except, uh, you know, I'm not interested in starting up courses where you can pay me 1997 you know <laughs> to sit my course and then buy my book um that's that doesn't interest me at all but i'm you know if um I'm, I'm, i am willing to help people so you know i think that's kind of the direction that i'm going in yeah 
Well, it sounds like exciting times ahead of you. And I suppose just to say, you know, well, I'll be keeping my fingers crossed for your, your planning uh, decision, which is very soon, but yes. also for uh, your, your property investor award later this year, because uh, the project oh, the yes. student project has been nominated for an award for that as well, right? Which is exciting. And I guess good recognition of, uh, you know, everything that you've, you've achieved with that. So yeah. it sounds so like- We're really excited um, that we have got this nomination, but what I was really surprised about is that I actually nominated myself for it. <laughs> and I think what for me, it's really important. We're kind of open and honest as developers, seasoned developers to the youngsters coming along that, you know, you can go and nominate yourself for a property award. And in fact, most people, in fact, must all people must do that because you have to give them loads of facts and figures and everything. Um, but at whatever stage you are along your journey, we put ours in for best HMO, um, but there are loads of other categories. Um, and, you know, everyone's doing it. So, um, I mean, I was surprised that I, I'd nominate myself. I thought somebody else had to nominate me. So it's kind of like opening your eyes to what's happening in the marketplace. Um, so, yeah, so that's exciting that we've done that. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. So, um, yeah, but I am hopeful. <laughs> Please do. And th- thanks for the insight as well. I, you, you know, I think a lot of these sort of award ceremonies, they're, they're designed to, you know, it's all about the big dinner and celebrations. And it's 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 still, yeah. you know, regardless of whether you nominate yourself or not, you're it's going to be viewed and vetted by experienced investors. And, you know, it's, it's still it's a yeah. good process to be involved with. So, um, yeah, congratulations Absolutely. anyway. Absolutely. And I definitely think especially more women need to go and nominate themselves in those categories because, you know, they are heavily male bias. I mean, I I wish I'd known that I could have done this ages ago because I would have done it. Yeah. I would have done it years and years ago. Um, You know, I think it's... it just adds a lot of credibility and there's some amazing judges mm-hmm. um, you know, judging the category. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. If we don't win this year, I'm going to put um, other projects in now. Now I know how to do it um, and that you don't have to be nominated, you know, by somebody else. You'd be nominated by yourself. I'm going to start entering more into different categories, definitely. But I, I think everyone should do it. Yeah, no, I I think it's a, it's a great idea, and uh, yeah, like I say, best of luck to you for this year. Anyway, um, in terms of keeping up to date with uh, you know planning permissions and award ceremonies and future projects, where's the best place? For, where where, where do you share what's going on? Instagram. Okay, so Instagram. You're, uh... Start conversation with me on Instagram. I, I, you know, I live and breathe on Instagram, um, and we all network. And we've got a really, we've got a nice family of property people, investors, um, newbies. Um, we've got people. You know, there's some amazing people following us, um, and I'm following them. And um, we're like a family, and we we'll, we all help each other. So come and get involved if you want to be part of this Instagram family. Come and come and come along for the for the ride and see what we're all up to. Yeah. But it's actually where I do most of my learning as well. So um I know you're gonna ask me about books, Mike. <laughs> you know what, I've got to be honest, I don't read books and that's I know that's terrible, but I I just get bored really easily. So um yeah, so I'm uh, yeah, I I'm not gonna uh, tell you about any books that I recommend reading, but what I would say is 
I get all my reading and my tips from podcasts and from Instagram because all the developers, the designers, the amazing stuff that's happening with HMOs, uh, it's all it's all happening around us on social media. And it's about learning while people are doing it. You know, it's not somebody who wrote a book two years ago that's just been published. This is stuff that's happening now and you can get all your tips from the people that are doing it. And so that's where I do all my reading um, on Instagram and my learning, basically. Yeah, and I, I think that's so important. A lot of people do think that it's, you know, it's just pretty pictures, but there, there's so much good knowledge getting shared there and so many people building really strong relationships with other investors and service providers and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, just remind us, your yeah. your profile, if we want to find you on Instagram, what are we looking for? Uh, uh, Ruth and Gillian Hobbs. Okay. Perfect. So I will put a link to that in the uh, yeah. in the show notes so people can yeah. find you. But you know, everyone knows that we're spending more and more time on Instagram now as well. It's definitely our social platform of choice. So it's yeah. where all the cool kids are hanging out. I think it is, yeah. <laughs> and the old kids. Well, yeah, you can still you can still <laughs> like be cool. Me. I didn't I didn't bring age into it. <laughs> okay. Well, but, you know, the other thing is, you know, amazing things happen from Instagram. So. Uh, we got asked to be on uh, property TV as well, and that's only through Instagram. So um, the awards ceremony was something that's developed through Instagram. Um, so, you know, this it's opening doors, things that I never thought that I would be doing. Um, and I'm really enjoying, you know, I'm really, really enjoying it. So, you know... That, that's my own perception of it anyway so I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear it's been been beneficial for you um yeah that that yeah. kind of covers everything that i wanted to to touch on ruth so I, you know i i guess i just want to say a massive yeah. thank you for for taking the time to be here uh, apologies for for running over slightly but hopefully you've, uh, you, the, the, that extra 20 minutes hasn't been too uh i've not gotten into anything too important but it's, it's been a blast chatting to you i'm glad we, we seem to be on the page on a lot of things which is always nice uh you know yes. different opinions do exist but it's it's nice to have a chat with someone who's sort of uh you know sees eye to eye with us so it's, it's been good fun really enjoyed it and yeah just thank you for thank you for being here really appreciate it Mike thanks ever so much I've said it before and I will probably say it time and time and time and time and time again but I am just so appreciative of you continuing to listen to the podcast now I assume you're not doing it out the goodness of your heart you're doing it because you are enjoying what we're producing and you're getting value from it which is great Over the years, you have supported us with our courses and with our open days and obviously with the podcast as well. We give value, we get value back. That is the way I like the world to work. One thing I would ask all of you to do though, to really help us achieve our big goal, which is to just reach a much wider audience of aspiring and existing property professionals and investors, is to help us out by sharing our content. The next time you see something on Facebook, I would love it if you'd share it with your audience or in one of the property groups that you are in. Start a discussion about an interesting interview that you have listened to or an article that we have written or a case study that you have seen. Or next time you're sat on the tube or at the gym listening to our podcast, stick it in your Insta story. It would mean the absolute world to me. Please make sure you tag us in it as well because I do like to see who's helping us out who's saying that they're enjoying our content. We genuinely pay attention to everyone who is helping us out. Victoria and I respond to everyone on all the social channels every time we get the chance. We really do appreciate it. We appreciate you being here, but I would appreciate it even more if you could help spread the word. Thanks a lot, guys, and I'll speak to you soon.